Welcome to Tech Talk Nation, talking about the latest tech, industry news, and hot topics. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Visit our website at techtalknation.com. Good evening and welcome to Tech Talk Nation. I'm your host, Matt Fitzgerald, and we have a wonderful show for you tonight. It's been a little bit of a break between our uh, last episode here, um, but we are back. We're having a good time tonight, and uh, I'm still a little under the weather, but we're, we're getting there. And uh, we have a lot to talk to you about because a lot has happened and a lot is going to happen in the upcoming week. So um, I am joined once again, as usual, by my wonderful co-hosts, Matt Grislow and Ryan Eastman. How are you guys tonight? I'm phenomenal, and I also realized I have to get something, so I'll be right back. <laughs> Uh-oh. And I am also well. Good. Do you have to go get something? No, no, I don't actually. Oh, wow. Came you you actually came prepared for this. Wow. Yeah. I'm oh, all right. Whatever, whatever. That's what they call me. They call me Mr. I get Prepare. it. I get it. I get a little hate just because, you know, I, I want to do something extra special here. Whatever. Well, while I do have the uh, the floor here, I do want to say for all of our viewers, um, well, thank you for watching, everyone that watches live and, and watches uh, after the fact. Uh, but also, we are getting our social media up. Um, so if you'd like to follow us, uh, on Instagram, you can follow us at, I believe we're at what tech talk nation. Uh, yes. Tech talk nation. I believe we are. Should yep. be the same on all platforms, right? It should be. So, I, I uh, think Twitter, YouTube, I and, and Twitter, I think Twitter, it's a little different because I wasn't able to get the same thing, but. All right. Well, at the end of the, at the end of the pod, I will plug, I will replug our social media. Um, but we're going to be posting, um, some bios, uh, in our feed about the three of our, our co-hosts here. Um, and then we'll be also be posting on our story um, when we go live so that you guys are up to date. So turn on your uh, post notifications to get uh, notified for when we go live. Um, we're trying to keep a schedule here um, to make it easier for everyone. Um, but I mean, as you all know, it just kind of life happens. Uh, and so we're trying to, uh, to make it a little better for, for people to uh, get engaged with us and to, uh, get more people into the nation here. So, uh, exactly. So yeah, uh, follow us on there and, uh, more content to come. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, now that we got that announcement out of the way here, uh, the next thing, or actually the first thing that, uh, I wanted to talk about Ryan really, really is excited about, and <laughs> I know why you are, uh, because this is a lot of cool stuff that's, uh, coming with, um, uh, with NVIDIA here. So uh, let me switch over to the browser here. NVIDIA is paving the way for RTX GPU Chromebooks with a new ARM dem demo. So long story short, NVIDIA had a proof where they used an ARM processor, so not your normal notebook processor, like a phone processor, to run a card with RTX, a graphics card. So one of those really, really uh, expensive RTX 3080s or something like that, uh, we are now able to run on the same processor that a phone uses. So I probably missed a fair bit of stuff with this, uh, but what's your thoughts on that, Ryan? I mean, yeah, ARM is typically used for uh, phones, but don't forget that, uh, you know, <laughs> Apple just came out with, uh, des well, desktop's a strong word laptop grade silicon for arm so i mean that's one thing anyway but regardless of that i'm excited about it because 
Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Chrome OS runs off Linux, and uh, Linux has historically had a little trouble with gaming, but uh, you know, it looks like with NVIDIA putting their weight behind that, that's kind of a signal that that could change a little bit. And that makes me very happy, but no one else cares about that but me. <laughs> hey, a lot of people do, and that could be really good um, with a lot of the stuff coming out uh, soon. So we'll, we'll see. With N NVIDIA behind an ARM chip, um, there's some cool stuff coming down the pipeline for Steam, I know. So uh, we'll see if that actually goes through. So Yeah, regardless of that, it's, I mean, it's also a chance for, I guess, Microsoft to try and make their stuff run on arm again right uh, it didn't go right. so hot the first time but they can do that again and you know arm processors do tend to be more power efficient so yep yep yeah. better exactly. batteries theoretically better performance i mean win-win what's not to like what's not to like oh yeah i just like the idea that a uh was rtx or gtx 3080 R rtx uh, rtx yeah well you can tell i'm not a big gamer or pc builder but uh, I just like the idea that that power can is starting to be packaged in a, a smaller form, uh, so much so that you can pack it into to a laptop. Gaming laptops, I can only imagine the, the amount of performance you can pull out of those things. I I remember in college, and I say it like it was 30 years ago, even though it was six months ago yeah. or seven months ago, whatever it was. Um, you know, they they these guys would lug these big bulky uh, laptops around and. They were very powerful, but imagine a, you know, a, a tiny little uh, thirty eighty in there. That thing would be a beast, to say the least. So I'm excited. Consumer electronics are only going to get better, and they only are getting better, and we're seeing it every every day. Uh, so I'm excited. I agree. And one other thing that uh, I want to, I'm going to kind of transition to the next story here with this, but. We're seeing these computers becoming thinner. We're seeing these computers become more um, mobile friendly. We're seeing them become a lot better. And a new thing that Microsoft is now doing, and I think uh, you will, uh, you'll, you'll hear about this, Ryan. I'm, uh, but Microsoft revealed what it will cost to run Windows 365 on your iPad. Um, so long story short, with uh, this article here, uh, thank you to BGR for this article, wonderful. Um, long story short, Microsoft is releasing a new Microsoft 365, or sorry, Windows 365 uh, subscription service that is going to be targeting uh, more of your business users and stuff like that. Um, but long story short, this takes an old Microsoft technology that they've been using for, for years and years in the business setting and basically bring it to either other business, like smaller businesses that can't necessarily afford the architecture or businesses like um, even end users who want this technology. Long story short, what you're doing is your iPad is connecting to a virtual server in the cloud. So you have a little chunk of Microsoft's cloud that your iPad or whatever you're accessing the software on is able to connect to. Uh, Microsoft traditionally calls this, I believe, VDI um, or RDS, some, something along the lines of that. 
um, but basically allows every Windows user to share almost the same installation of Windows. I, I, I don't know how to properly describe it other than bunch of people can access company server on very, very powerful computer. Uh, a lot easier than buying a bajillion really, really expensive computers. So I don't know how I feel about that. I think it's cool personally. Yeah. So that's I, 365 in the cloud, right? Right. Mm -hmm. I right. really like this idea. Um, I mean, I, I fits, we were talking, what was it? Saturday about this. Mm -hmm. um, while yes, I love my, my Apple products. Um, you know, they have limitations, right? And there's a reason why, you know, these sort of services are being uh, brought over to, to iOS and other, uh, other OSs. Uh, and so I'm excited about this because, um, I'm looking to sort of be able to do like code, um, a little bit of code, light code work, um, using, you know, like notepad plus, um, and then remote in using my iPad, which can already, uh, remote connect or, or Bluetooth connect to a uh, keyboard and, and mouse. And right now the only thing that's holding me back is the ability to have notepad plus plus or whatever it is um, on my iPad, which you can't really do. And so if I'm able to, for a small price per month, uh, remote into uh, a computer that I have here, um, and that can actually just use the desktop anyway um, when I'm at home, um, I, I'm really excited. This is something I'm, I'm really happy about. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. We, we were already, uh, Fitz and I were already trying to brainstorm how to do it uh, as is um, without Windows 11. Um, but I'm really excited about this. I think it brings a lot of uh, more opportunities to use Windows uh, to a lot of different companies who can use, you know, really cheap um, iPads, you know, the standard, like, lower tier base model that's even, I think they're selling for something like three to 400 bucks. Um, the ones that still have, you know, the, the touch ID or just the, the button, the home button. Yeah, um, too. Yeah. Uh, the Air already, the Air, I thought the new Air already had a, a face ID. Oh, it probably does. Probably has that. I, mean, I believe it does. Either way, um, they, they have a lower cost model, just the iPad, that's what they call it, um, with no other, like, surname to it. And uh, it's the cheapest model they have right now. And I can see that now being purchased uh, much more widely by different companies and then ju them just paying for this service um, for their their employees. And I'm, I guarantee there's going to be some sort of enterprise discount. And so it okay. really will just make sense. And, and I think in a lot of different applications. Um, but we'll Is see. Full Windows on an iPad? Yes. That's that's the thing mm -hmm. that's, that's oh, really... Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. that's why I'm like, huh. Like that. Yeah. Well, the, the way that this software kind of works is you can do this now, and that's what, what Grizzlo and I were talking about, where we, you can do this now through either a protocol like VL, uh, VNC or RDP yeah. or something along the lines of that using Basically a software like TeamViewer. a server that's running it for you. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Some other hardware that's running the code. So mm. all, all your, your device is acting as what, what in the industry is known as a thin client. All you're doing is you're brokering a connection yep between your device and the complex computer, the, the powerful computer that's actually running that. So. Yeah. And you know what? I can see this even um, being applicable for schools too. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of schools are giving out iPads right now and they're limited to the OS that's on them. Right. 
Um, mm-hmm. And some some schools give out Chromebooks or whatever. And again, they're limited to the OS that's on them right now. There's some applications that run on one that don't run on the other. Um, some run on both. But I really like this idea that you can use both OSs on the same hardware. Um, I guess we still have to see how well this new program runs um, in terms of functionality and how efficient it is. Um, and if it's really clunky or whatever, um, yeah. if it uses too much bandwidth or whatever. But uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this, especially I if it can come in a good class. Uh, I don't know how familiar you guys are with it, but Microsoft has been streaming games now for a while through mm-hmm. their xCloud service. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, obviously that's much more intensive, I think, than actually streaming a Windows instance because of, you know, the type of bandwidth a game actually takes up. Mm-hmm. And they've been streaming it for a while, too. I've even used it a bit. It's pretty good. Uh, well, even... getting, like, really responsive stuff out of it is still tricky. Right. Well, but, e- like, when you scale that back to an actual OS, which is a lot smaller than you know, running some game at who knows what FPS. And much less visually intensive. That's that's the big thing. Yeah, like, almost no GPU versus all GPU. Right. And the, the cool thing about this, in my opinion, is having the ability to run that software, do those enterprise applications straight off of an iPad or any device in that for that matter. Like like if I if I pick up my phone and I can I can just go on a windows computer like like that's awesome um it's yeah. gonna be clunky and painful but uh it can work it in a pinch if you need it um so i'm i'm excited i, w- I want to see what this is looking like and hopefully i'll be able to get my hands on a on something to test out with that because i've I've worked with a lot of microsoft azure which is their big their big cloud thing uh and their their uh servers are very nice they work well for me and it's it's cool to just kind of see, hmm, they're bringing this to a different market, and I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, as far as the coding on an iPad thing is, uh, I think Apple has X code on it or X something like that, but it's not quite full featured the way it probably it's, should it's be. It's trying considering how powerful they are now. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Definitely. Cool. Well, moving on. We have another uh, another uh, article here about Apple. Actually, um, Apple is supposedly uh, oh, and you're gonna like this one even better, Ryan. Apple is supposedly cracking down on remote work. Uh, it says they like couldn't even people couldn't work from home, and uh, basically it was like a whistleblower in Slack or something like that, and uh, they're basically like kind of snubbing people with with accommodations i guess but i i feel i i didn't read this article in its full uh entirety um but it seems interesting to say the least uh but that begs the question too if apple's cracking down on work remotely is that going to cause other companies to see i i think it's interesting that they're cracking down on this um especially because a lot of other companies in Silicon Valley um, seem to be enjoying and almost encouraging um, a more work from home environment. Um, I understand, especially as someone who does work uh, with software, um, how important it is to be in person uh, with teams and how the dynamic is different um, on a uh, video call versus in person. 
um, especially for someone who did start uh, his current job fully remote. Um, but I do understand the need and, and the desire for the higher-ups um, at Apple to to want people to return in person. I think the problem that they're running into, um, I, I really think that one of the problems that a lot of companies, especially Apple, is running into right now is that you know the pandemic has either forced or um, sort of made companies more strongly consider the idea of working from home, and they've done this for so long, and people now have gotten really comfortable with working at home. I started my job, uh, my current job, working from home, and now we're, we're in this like hybrid situation, um, which I'm very grateful for, um, and it sounds like this is what Apple's doing as well, but it sounds like uh, Apple's employees really weren't happy uh, with the idea of going back to a semi, you know, sort of before the pandemic uh, work lifestyle or work style. Um, and I'm sure this is not going to be the only company where you see customers, or I'm sorry, employees um, unhappy. But you know what? You got to take it on the chin. That's the way the world works. Um, in the instances of the ADA accommodations, I, I do think that's uh, a bit much. Um, and it doesn't seem like something that Apple will want to uh, continue to be out there as, as something in the news. You know, they don't want bad press. Um, and and it, really, at the end of the day, it is bad press. They care about their people. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I'm sure they do. Um, however, I feel like the way that they're treating this, uh, Tim Cook, at least from what I've heard and, and read, seems like he's, he's taking a more of a Steve Jobs approach to this and, and more of, I don't want to say an iron fist, but a more firm approach to uh, this, this return to a quote-unquote new normal. I think they have every right to say, hey, productivity's down. Uh, you guys aren't meeting you know, whatever goals we set from working from home. You need to come back in. I mean, to me, that makes just about perfect sense unless you, you know, have some very specific health thing where it's like, oh, by the way, this puts me in this high-risk category for whatever reason, and I haven't gotten vaccinated somehow. But I don't know. I, I personally, just speaking for myself, hate working from home. I just feel everything's less efficient, less productive. It's way better just to get four people around a whiteboard and just hash out a problem. Uh, there are people who work really well from home, and if you let them keep working from home, they might even work better. I don't know. But yeah, I just definitely. know from like a personal thing, I don't think that's the majority of people. That's a very like self-actualized like and like focused person who doesn't need a change of environment to like be able to zero in on what they should be doing. Yeah, I think that um, some of the people I, I think that do work better from home uh, might be people that, and I honestly find this to be the case for me sometimes, um, are the people that have better at-home setups. They have better monitors, oh, yeah. bigger monitors, more monitors, you know, more I.O., whatever. Um, if your work setup is good, then your pro your workflow and, uh, and productivity will also go up. Um and maybe, maybe it's the case where these companies need to invest more in, um, you know, their, their at-work setups, more monitors, you know, more whatever. Um, and I'm sure Apple, if that's the case for Apple, um, and that's the biggest complaint, they won't have a problem throwing money at it. They, they can blow right. a few, sure. they, they can blow a few dollars on that, right? Um, but I think what you had to say, Ryan, is very true. Uh, the productivity, um, is a big thing. If your productivity is down, 
your company's not going to do well because you know you're not putting out enough out enough product. You're not doing enough R and D um, testing, whatever it is. Um, and some things have to be done, uh, you know, in person. So yeah, it know, is I what it is. Just, there is no substitute for you know five people gathered on a chalkboard or a whiteboard. I agree. I agree. I'm totally with you. There you go. Definitely. Well, speaking of uh, spending a few bucks here, uh, Grizzlo, you sent in this article here. This is about Apple's iPhone 12 MagSafe battery pack versus the other alternatives that are out there. I'll be yes. honest with you. I didn't even realize Apple had this. Like, I, I did not know that. So Yeah. So, I mean, I can I can take this. Yeah, you, so, you and, take it and, away. It's funny enough that you said that you didn't know Apple had one because... I didn't know Mophie even uh, had a battery pack. Uh, it seems like the first one that came out that I was aware of was anchored back in, I think, March. Um, apparently, Mophie came out with theirs um, in June, uh, and now Apple came out with theirs. It, it was just revealed last week, so I, I'm not going to, you know, uh, you know, pester you for why didn't you know about this, right? Uh, it's a brand new it's a brand new product they did just reveal, and they also did this very silently. There was no press release. There was nothing. It just went up on their website um and they've done this from time to time i think they, they may have done this with their uh their airpods max um so this is not something they haven't done before if you want to pop up the screen uh from the article i can uh, talk a little bit about it which, which one the uh, yeah the so, chart uh just the article yeah and there's yeah, a few yeah, charts you can scroll down there um yeah so it's interesting because um you know typically apple puts out a, a you know a very high price product that's okay and then the, the third-party uh, accessory makers go, hold my beer. We could do better. And so um, it, it's, I thought that's what they had done. But after reading this, I'm not quite sure. The problem is, though, Apple didn't put out a ton of um, information about their batteries, which they usually don't, even with their phones. Uh, if you like to scroll down, I can uh, go a little bit more into this. Sure. And so, yeah, so we get to wrap up that chart here. And so... Um, yeah, there's some some differences. The biggest difference is is price. The other two competitors are about half or less than half the price. Um, Apple's is starting at about $100, and their competitors are starting at 46 and 50 bucks. Um, so that's a big difference. Um, then we look at kind of the actual specifics about the battery. I had thought that, and because I didn't know about the Mofi battery pack, um, I had thought that the uh, the Anchor one would be superior. However, it does seem like the Mofi one in terms of amount of charges, actually is the better one. All the Apple stuff is based off of estimates. Um, but there is an interesting thing that I do want to I do want to touch on um, uh, with the Apple one. So you can see, you know, the breakdowns of, of, of you know, the charge, um, how many charges you can get um, for the different newest iPhones, right? Um, the important thing to know here, though, is that the Apple one is not a, a external charger per se, at least in terms of charging other things. Um, the Apple one is a lightning charge uh, port, and the others have USB-C ports. And because of that, uh, the Apple one, unlike the other two, cannot also deliver power to anything else. So it can only power your uh, your iPhone. Um, if you like to scroll down a bit. So they talk about efficiencies and stuff, um, and it seems like, based off of the numbers they gave, or roundabout um, estimates about voltages the batteries, that the Apple one is actually a, a bit more uh, uh, efficient at about 70% versus the others at, I believe, like 60. Um, but here's a really interesting thing here, the output. So 
um, even though Apple's only will be able to charge your, your phone, the one thing that it can do, the others can't do, is charge it at a higher speed. So it all, it all charges wirelessly uh, your phone at, at 5 watts. Um, but the cool thing about the Apple one is that when you plug it in, uh, the, in a lightning cable into the battery pack that's already on your back of your phone uh, and attached, it charges at 15 watts. And so uh, it is a much higher increased uh, power. And I think that can draw people to this product uh, more so than uh, the other two. The only problem is, again, it's going to be $100. And so you kind of have to do like a give and take there. Uh, if you really want to spend the extra money uh, for the higher power, I, I guess the two, the, the trade-off that I can see is take the Apple one and you have the opportunity to charge at 15 watts, so much higher, three times the speed or the power uh, than the other two, or you swap for the lower price one and you have the ability to use that uh, battery pack, that, that MagSafe charger, uh, also as an external battery for other products. So it's, it's a give and take. Um, Apple just came out this last week, so not many people have their hands on them. I don't have one, uh, a phone that can even use MagSafe, so I, I can't really say I'll buy it and review it. Maybe if I upgrade this fall, then uh, I would uh, consider doing it. But if you need the that's excuse. the uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's so that's a deal on the uh, the new MagSafe uh, new MagSafe battery pack. What do you guys think? Any thoughts, reactions? Cool. Like, <laughs> I honestly, I I think it's a cool idea. Um, it's the, the MagSafe concept is pretty cool. Um, I, I just still don't know if I'd, I'd shell out the hundred bucks for an Apple one though. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you obviously have to figure out what's worth it to you, but it's one of those things where for me, at least I'd consider the other options. I'm wondering what tech specs Apple passed on to everyone else because, hmm. I know that specifically Anchor has like a ton of just wireless 10 watt chargers. Like they make those and they're like 15 to, or probably more like 20 to 30 bucks. And they're just all over the place. So I'd be shocked that they don't have like 10 watts at least. I think, I think the problem right now is specifically the MagSafe part of See, it doesn't really make sense to me because the MagSafe really is just, it's a ring of, it's an array of, of magnets. Yeah. Um, All it does is align stuff. Yeah. I do think, though, that it's got to be in the software for the product, right? Apple's got to have some sort of ability to not throttle, but limit other products' ability to send more power yeah. if, if well, that's the case. But, but one thing to keep in mind, though, is that it's an Apple-made product. Apple has always been very good at tailoring their their accessories to their products and make them very really true. good. And also, right? also, just just real quick side note, uh, we have seen Apple do this in the past too with some of the other stuff we've talked about on the show where Apple unlocks hardware for themselves that they don't unlock for third parties. Yep. I think yeah, there, like there was an issue. Is the easiest example. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you you have that conundrum there too, where it's almost like is Apple even giving third party vendors a chance against them? Yeah, well, third party vendors have a bigger bank for sure. Battery bank, that is. Sorry, not more money. <laughs> I, I was going <laughs> to be like, Apple has hmm. more money. <laughs> no, I mean, 
battery. Morphine Anchor, you know, they, they got a good chunk of change in the hands, but nowhere oh, near yeah. as Apple. Um, oh, no. No, and and I, I probably should uh, look at this a little bit more before I, I say it's to be true. Um, but I, I do remember reading that this is the first time, I don't know if you have to have your phone at 100% and, and plugged in um, to be able to do this, but with this product, this is the first time that there's going to be reverse charging with the phone. That being, your phone is actually the one that's charging the, the MagSafe uh, attached battery pack. I don't know what the specifics are on it. If you have to have it plugged in, but it has to be at a certain above a certain percentage, 80, 100%, whatever it is. Um, but that being said, I really think that I'm seeing that I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that Apple takes the opportunity this fall to finally release uh, reverse wireless charging for their phones for, for, you know, for bigger devices like other iPhones. We've seen it with, with Android. We've seen it with Samsung. I don't know why it's taking Apple this long to do it. It, it It's one of those features where it just makes sense, right? You got three years. If you can wirelessly charge the phone, why can't you wirelessly charge another phone with the phone? It just makes sense. And, and I don't yeah, know why. We got widgets like barely a year or two ago. What are you expecting? We've had wireless... <laughs> We've had wireless uh, charging technology since the iPhone 8 came out with the iPhone 10 um, four years ago, three years ago, um, around there. Didn't come out with wireless, reverse wireless charging at the time. I figured they would do it in a year or two once they've figured out the wireless charging situation. Excuse me. Um, they still haven't done it. So fingers crossed. This is the time that they realize it works and it works well. Even if it's at a lower wattage, like five watts wireless charging or reverse wireless charging, do it. Do it. Do it. Do Pull it. Pull the trigger. They started wireless charging with these phones at seven and a half watts. The new ones uh, charge uh, much higher. Oh, yeah. So even if they limited it to five watts, seven and a half watts even, do it. Do it. My favorite is OnePlus has a, uh, I think it's a 60 watt wireless charger. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 huge like it is huge oh yeah it has a fan so, that's a stupid yeah how yeah. energy to move yeah how loud is that thing it's a little loud yeah i think i think you probably could have stopped it or wait i think mine i think mine's 45 45 or 50 it, all i know is it gets hot that sounds right like yeah, i think yeah you stopped at like 30 watts on wireless and been fine yeah save the like 65 watt for like a you know in wall charger definitely and see, like, you don't really need 45 watts to ch wirelessly charge, even charge an iPhone or a phone, period. They charge fast enough already with oh, you no, know, 18 don't. watts, no, 30 watts. Nothing. No, no, Why do you need enough. to go Trust more than me. that? I can tell what the difference. I had, dude, I had like a 10 watt or a 15 watt charger and I, you know, put it into my 30, 35 watt and, ooh, it makes such a difference. So, so yes, I'm not, I am not going to tell you it does not make a difference. It absolutely does. Here's all pure numbers, it, it makes, absolutely does. Here, here's the thing. It makes a difference in my charging habits. That's how significant it is. I guess what I'm trying to get at here is, does it ultimately make a difference? What I mean by that is, yes, it's, it is charging it faster. But do you really need it to charge that fast? Do you need? Do you ever need? Or you ever been in a situation or enough situations? Yes. To justify you needing a thirty watt charger for your phone versus, let's say, 
especially in my case, for example, an 18-watt charger. Yeah. I charge my phone, I think, today at 18 watts um, for about 20 minutes. It went from, I think, uh, it went from about 20% to 60% or 65% in 20 minutes. That's That was all that I needed. Just a quick charge. I needed to juice it up just to make sure because I was going out to work out. I needed to make sure my phone wouldn't die for whatever reason because I was streaming music. Um, and it worked just fine. I, I, I get the quick charge thing. And, and don't don't get me wrong. I'm a huge advocate for quick charging. That being said, I'm not sure if we really need or, or, or should be saying the standard should be Set at 30, 45, 50, uh, 50 watt wireless charging. <laughs> and, and, and not, not, and not just because I'm not sure if we need it, but because the wire charging could go quicker and much faster anyway. It's much more efficient. Oh, that's what I have. That's what I mean. Oh, wireless well then, charging does need to hit 30. No. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm if not sure if you need wireless charging to go that wireless. I can get on board for that. Yeah. Yeah. For wired, I'm happy with it being ridiculously fast because it changes how I schedule charging my phone. Yeah. It yeah. literally like today, means I can wake up and put my phone on the charger and it'll be at 90 when I take it off to leave for work. Yeah, absolutely. Like when I said I was charging my phone at 18 watts, that was on just a, a wall charger, um, light, lightning cable straight in my phone. Um, my phone is limited to 18 watts, fast charging. Um, so that's the fastest I can put it to. But like I said, it's exactly what I needed. And I would love to have gotten higher uh, battery, right, uh, percentage yeah. out of it in, the, in that 20 minutes uh, time. But I think it's perfectly great, and I think even better is good. But for wireless, I'm not quite yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, for wireless, it, I, the I get, trade-off isn't worth it. Yeah, and I think also, I'm not sure if the, at least right now, I'm not sure if the casual, um, you know, phone consumer um, – is really trying to get a really high-powered wireless charger. I think they're probably going for more of the, no. the fast-charging cable chargers. No, I so think it makes sense, know, right? Wireless charging is your thing. That's fine and all that. Use that. I don't have it on my phone, and I've never felt like I needed it because hmm. literally, like, it's never inconvenienced me because of how quickly my phone charges. Yeah, I will say I really like wireless charging um, specifically when I'm at work because sometimes I have to get up and go somewhere and, you know, I always have to have my phone on me and, and charged up if I need to take a call, you know, get a text from one of my team members or a team's, you know, notification. Um, so the ability to just drop my phone on a pad, have it charge, and then just say, okay, I got to go check a, a building in a room somewhere and just pick up my phone and go. Yeah. Um, that part of it is really, really nice. I love that. Um, and that's kind of like the, the big allure to the wireless charging, right? It's really easy to just you know, drop your phone, charge, pick it up yeah. and go. Um, See, I'm on the other end, though, where I just don't need to charge it because in the morning it hits 100. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I end the day with 30% and I'm good. There you go. I mean, mine's probably around that right now, too. I just, like, I need the, uh, the uh, peace of mind. Eh. Yeah. Definitely. There you go. Like you, Ryan. I like to live on it. <laughs> there you go. Well, speaking of living dangerously, uh, Tesla is closing its first supercharger station ever over, quote, security concerns. And when I say living on the danger uh, or the, the edge of danger there, uh, this this supercharger location is like in the back of like 
Tesla's headquarters. You have to go like around the building through this like shady alley to get to it. And and uh, Tesla's like, yeah, we should probably close that down now. Um, and basically, they say um, that they're going to close them, close the supercharger down. Um, and supposedly, the showroom across the st- like in that same complex thing, uh, we're going to like. It's that's where Tesla works on a lot of their projects and stuff like that. So it's it's kind of uh, going to be interesting to see uh, what they do with that now that it's not going to be um, supercharged land, I guess. So, I mean, they have a new supercharger across the the way now, yep. and it actually closed. That first one closed today. Oh, um, today. I just think huh. it's yeah. I just think it's a little silly that they thought that they could get away with putting a, a supercharger um, where they put it. And and not only did they put it in an area where the holding uh, room was a room right off of the lobby in the building where they would have meeting rooms for where Tesla employees would be making a lot of and, and producing and designing a lot of their new products. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of uh, secret stuff that shouldn't be seen by uh, the uh, general consumer. But they had to go through the back of the SpaceX headquarters uh, building to do it. Right. And and so it, it just doesn't make any sense to me that they would put it there in the first place. The last thing you would want is for someone to be in your headquarters of your building uh, and snooping around. And they already mentioned in the article, you know, they had potential cases where people were um, using their phones when they shouldn't be, uh, when there were signs posted that you shouldn't use your phones or where people were uh, potentially walking around when there was no attendant in the room and trying to get a peek at what uh, Tesla was working on. I just think it was a silly mistake. Although I do think it is funny um, or not funny, but um, interesting to note that apparently when Elon Musk uh, was approached with the, uh, you know, the request to shut down this uh, facility in favor of opening one across the street, he was a little um, not disappointed, but he, he, it sounded like it wasn't what he wanted to do or it wasn't an option he would have wanted, but one that he did ultimately agree with was a good idea. So it's very I mean, interesting. It's I, I would not think of CEO of a company like that would want um, or even have a thought in his head that, oh, well, I really would like, uh, you know, consumers to be charging their uh, their cars and coming in and potentially seeing our company secrets. Right. It's not that well, he wants that. I think I think it's nostalgia. On that, yeah, I, I agree with Granted, Ryan. He bought the company and all that, but like, it's yeah, this was one of the first things. And there's one of these supercharger obelisk things here. Uh, yeah, they the call tower, it like a yeah. supercharger tower. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I could see it. Like, it's it's sentimental. So yeah, I think what it probably was was just like an expediency thing. Like, it was just easier to put it there. They had to do less like filing with the city and all that. That'd be my best guess. Probably. I mean, that makes. Yeah, that makes sense, especially since it was their first one. They were yeah. probably going with the easiest route of, okay, how can we build this infrastructure out? What's the quickest way to do it or whatever? Um, yeah. But yeah, I just I do think it's a little silly considering how long it's been there that it took yeah. this long for them to uh, go, okay, maybe this isn't in our best interest as a company. Right. Hey, who knows? So somebody on... Uh, uh, Live chat here goes, hot take, Teslas are overrated, drove one and someone cut me off. Uh, kid, you not the car stopped in that track. Kid, you not stopped the car in its tracks and turned off. Who knows? Who knows? But we'll see. 
I don't watch. I mean, Soul we'll we'll see we'll see if they're overrated. Uh, they have a new feature here. It's autopilot based Smart Shift to Model Three and Model Y. So something that was originally available on the Model S and the Model X, uh, they're actually bringing that over to uh, its con- lower end. Uh, uh, lower end models here. Uh, we'll we'll see how it's going. I'm confused. Well, yeah. I, so okay. So so because you don't shift on an electric car, that's why it's so good. So they, so what what happened was they had these like paddle shifters or whatever um, on I think the steering wheel, and that was standard on all their cars. And then with starting with the newest Model S and newest Model Xs, they removed that and as the standard feature removed it and put it in software um, as like these force touch buttons. Now what they're doing is with the, um, the lower budget model, model three and model Y is it's becoming an option. It's not going to be standard. And so you have the ability to do this, um, but it's not going to be standard. And I do think that will be um, good for some people. At the end of the day though, my opinions on this, I still really firmly believe that this option should not be a standard on, well, it it just should not be a standard on any of their vehicles. It should be an option and not only an option, it should only be on uh, the option, which I think it is the option uh, on the lower models, the the full self-driving cars. The whole point of this is to automate the car. This to me seems like a feature that should not be in a semi-autonomous sort of setting um, or setup our configuration, right? Um, to me, it just makes sense for if you're going all out uh, autopilot and all out um, self-driving, that should be on there. If you do not have that as an option, and you do not buy that package, it should not be in the car and that should not be standard. That's just my opinion. If you're gonna go all out software and in, in, in uh, autopilot, you know that's its own thing. But if you're not going to do that and that's not what you wanna do, you should have those buttons available to you. Physical buttons, okay. not just in software force touch buttons. Okay. I'm still so confused. I don't know why they have a shifting setting in an electric car. Oh, actually, well, it's it's the reverse neutral drive. Oh. Yes, like literally. Oh, you're okay. You've just explained so much to me. So I was sitting there, like, the whole point of an electric car is that you don't have a gearbox, that you don't have a transmission to shift. Yeah, so Tesla removed this on their Model X and okay. Model S's um, and their, their newest refresh. Met with a lot of criticism. No. I um, want to handle. I want to be able to say you're parked. The, the wild thing, though, is the government approved it. The, uh, I, I forget what agency it is. The NTSA, um, they approved probably. It. Or any, yeah. National yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Highway. I hate it, though. I, something. Yeah, this might be a topic it. for which, another which, day. But. Well... We'll talk yeah. about self-driving cars in general another day as just a general, or, like, hey. Or right now. Uh, because, uh, uh, you, what is it? Do you it? want this to go for three hours? Uh, no. Uh, I was going to say Tesla unveiled a $199 a month full self-driving subscription plan, but there's a catch. And long story that catches, you have to basically sign a disclaimer saying, like, hey, I'm not actually going to use self-driving. I'm still going to pay attention so uh, this is just a privilege, not a right type thing. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kinda... what it says already if you have a self-driving Tesla now. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just basically saying you, you're going to have to have uh, version 3 of the FSD hardware. And uh, basically, 
you're going to have to pay the subscription fee each month to be able to use the full self-driving car. So I don't know. That's Interesting. Subscription models are only becoming well, no, more popular. That's probably because it doesn't have a sufficient uh, GPU. Right, right. Mm. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I hate just the very premise <laughs> of a self-driving car. Yeah. Just you're... because like everything can get hacked, man. Even and non-self-driving cars, someone could probably hack and crash you. Yeah, yeah. You shape like basically shear off some sort of like uh, tie rod or something. You can cause no, no, no. I mean, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that like just a normal car nowadays, someone could just hack and kill you with. They could just force hmm. your accelerator down until you hit a wall at a hundred miles per hour. I'd like to think they're a little more secure than that. <laughs> well, here, yeah, here's... yeah. You say that, but the thing is, everything can be hacked. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what anyone says about anything, everything can be hacked. So here's with here's... that philosophy, though, you can never be certain you're safe. And in that case, why even have any technology at all? Because your your computer can get hacked right now. Your phone can get hacked right now. So why have a computer or a phone if you're gonna if you because have it's not you with that mentality me. though? Well, because it's I not mean... a two ton death machine. That's why. Yeah, but in the case <laughs> of like hacking, let's I mean let's take uh let's take your phone for example. Someone could potentially get your location and stalk you, and that's how they could ultimately get you. Oh, yeah, sure. Snub you. So in that case, I, can... I have a phone. Okay, how do I this mitigate that hack in car, though? I can mitigate someone trying to kill me by purchasing a weapon or having knives on me or anything like that. I don't have a way to mitigate that on a car. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think this is a new thing that you could only get hacked if you had self-driving features. In a oh, car. no. I'm not saying – I'm saying in general these days you can do it in all of them. Yeah. And it's just something that makes me uncomfortable. I mean, it's in, in our in our live chat here, uh, one of our friends asked, do you guys trust a computer driving for you? Hmm. I mean, probably. This is... A... Go ahead, Ryan. I don't think a computer is going to be any worse than like your average driver, to be honest. Especially okay. if they're, you know, 16. <laughs> I don't think computers are going to be worse than like I'd say 40% of drivers who are on the road because I've seen some stupid, stupid things. Uh, oh. You do have edge cases where like something happens that a normal person would never crash and the computer completely misinterprets it and crashes. Which is right. you know, why they, they explicitly say, hey, this self-driving isn't ready for you to just take your hands off the wheel. You need to be paying attention. Right, right. That's how people use it, but that's how they tell you you should be using it, and for good reason. There's the thing. I, I think a big reason why, though, and this kind of leads into what I, I was the point I was going to make. Um, I think a big reason for that is is because there is external um, uncertainty. Right. If you have a self-driving car in a field of other cars that aren't self-driving, the car has to react to very random potentially random or, or very random situations that it can't quite predict you know every possible thing happening to me um i would really only trust a, a car or a computer to drive me to where i want to go as long as the entire environment is contained within that same parameter of all the cars are self-driving you really can't trust uh in my opinion uh a, a car or a computer to drive you self-automated driving Unless all the cars in the road are self-driving, to that point, maybe even, and this is kind of where I, I'm, I'm not even sure about how much or how well I feel about this, 
maybe even only if the cars can talk to each other and tell each other what they're going to do so they can respond better. Uh, and why I say I'm not really sure how I feel about this is because there's a bit of a privacy thing there, I suppose. And this is where I, Ryan, I can see your point about people kind of hacking and seeing what you're going to do with the predicting predictability of it or you know, seeing what the computer is going to do uh, for your car and then using that against you maliciously. Um, but in my opinion, I really would only trust a self-driving car if all the other cars around me are self-driving because that takes the error down significantly which then also in turn decreases the risk significantly. Sure. I don't know how solvable of a problem that is just from a pure like coding perspective. I don't know if that's a tractable problem that you can solve in enough time to be able to like make real time adjustments on a car. Hmm. Who who knows? That's that's a that's a good good and conundrum. Maybe you can, maybe you can. It's a tricky question. Right, right. Uh, obviously, mm. I should probably be the person who can answer it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd need a I'd need a lot. I'd have to. There's I mean, a lot of work involved in that that I'm not for, willing to put in. But there you go. And, and for for my point of view on this, I think I would trust a computer to drive a car for me, um, assuming that uh, there are no no foreseeable hazards in the way. Like if, if it's open sure. road on the highway, I am cruising all let's go. Like, but in the city, like if, if I'm in downtown Chicago and I'm trying to use self-driving in oh the middle gosh. of the Has loop, anyone gotten jacked out of a Tesla? I don't want to like, well, it's trying to drive itself. <laughs> I, I don't want to deal with that in self, like in self-driving <laughs> mode. I don't want to deal that with that in general, but like, I, I just feel like self-driving would make a big stink about it if it sees, like, a pothole in the road and thinks something was there or something like that. You know oh, what I mean? Just, just cause more of an issue than it would be of just a human driver actually driving. So, hmm. who knows? Yeah, it's hard to see. So, the computer overcompensating and causing a, a greater um, potential uh, Not move or a mistake. Not even that, That's just dumb. causing more traffic by being inherently dumber. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm sure, you know, yeah, every think, engineer right? is working on them. Huh. I didn't know this. Uh, Teslas don't have spare tires. I didn't know that. Huh. <laughs> yeah. I, I I'm guess... sure everyone who looks and, like, designs this stuff, though, is thinking is, about is that all those true? problems. Ah, I wouldn't be surprised. But, you know. Are they really trying to say they don't. That, that is true. They don't have a spare tire. Wow. I didn't know There's that. There's got to be a cost-saving measure. And even Regardless. then, it doesn't even make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they just didn't feel like designing a wheel well in it. Who knows? Oh, I wonder if they couldn't or if there was uh, uh, space considerations because of the battery. Mm, good point. I, mean, I don't think so. They have a whole front trunk, don't they? <laughs> that, too. And you would think trunk. they would put it there. But then again, that's the trunk because they, I mean... Isn't there uh there's seats in the back, right? So where are you gonna put the front and the back trunk? In the yes. Model S, I believe there's seats in the third row, and even then it's a it's a small okay. Well, even then it's a small know, trunk. It's a small that. trunk. So they, they wanted. To, I mean, of course, that's kind of like the whole thing with with uh, electric cars. You have a frunk. Um, but to that end, I mean, if you've got a small uh, trunk, the frunk is kind of like a, a big thing that you kind of have to have. So putting a, a wheel in there um, would really decrease the amount of uh, trunk trunk space, total trunk space. Um, that's interesting, though. I've never know, considered that. Huh. Enough 
topic are, are, very quickly. Yeah, interesting. Definitely interesting. So, just final note on that. Uh, he goes, the fire is made, or excuse me, the tire is made completely different. If you pop it, you have to wait about an hour for somebody to come and replace it for you because it's like a, sep- a different tire. Interesting. Oh. But you can't replace it yourself. It's practically a computer. Huh. Who knew? Oh. So not only probably they did not have enough space in the car to put a spare in, but also just because it's so complex that the average consumer couldn't, which I could see it. I, I guess never uh, buy a Tesla because I've popped tires on the road in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> there you go. Well, there's your excuse not to. Well, moving on, uh, we have our obligatory NFT article coming up now. Uh, and uh, Grizzlo, you sent this one in. This is an oh, article here. Crypto market. <laughs> no, this is uh, about the heat here. The Miami Heat are launching an official commemorative NFT collection titled 15 Strong to celebrate the 2006 uh, NBA playoffs um, and when they won. And uh, I'm not a huge fan of this because they beat the Bulls. Uh, but anyway, that's my two cents on it. But And they're opening up uh, NFTs. Uh, they actually have some of them open for bid right now. They're kind kind of cool. Um, bunch of like commemorative L- NFTs. Uh, actually, I wonder if I can see like how much it's going. Okay, sale ends today. Uh, fourteen thousand dollars for this one. Uh, the card NFT is currently uh, two thousand, and then the banner is currently another two thousand. So. Kind of crazy, that's for sure. I, don't I know. think the cool thing that goes along with this, though, is that you can get, um, or the way they phrase it is, the buyers uh, who do successfully um, get their bid put in and, and it comes back good, um, is that they can get the physical copy of, of these different NFTs. So, for example, you could get a, a replica 2006 uh, NBA Finals championship ring, um, which... I don't know if you know this, but they're a little hard to come by. Um, and not only that, but it'll be personalized, which I think is very cool. Um, huh. I would I would love to, to have something like that for, like, you know, the 2016 World Series champ Cubs uh, repping right now, or at least the Cubs right now. Um, very sad they're not doing so hot right now, but I hope they do better. Um, I think it's a really cool thing as a, as a sports fan. Um, it's no shock to me that they're doing this. It's the 15-year anniversary um, of that first uh, NBA Finals win. And uh, I think it's very cool just as a sports fan to be able to have and own a piece of that history where it's really either hard or impossible to do that uh, prior. And some of these are exclusive like that, that card. Right. Um, and it'll be a one-to-one replica, too, of the banner and the, the ring. Um, and hardcore sports <laughs> fans really, um, I know, uh, would... would really pay a, a you know, top dollar for that. So I think this is very cool, and I'd like to see other teams doing this um, coming in the future. And I can, I don't want to say guarantee, but I wouldn't be surprised if either of the teams that win the NBA Finals this year uh, do something similar, because both teams, uh, no matter who wins, are going to have very uh, historic wins. The Bucks haven't won since the 71. Um, and I can't remember if the Suns have even won uh, a championship. But I can't imagine this is going to be a one-off type situation. We'll see. We will see. Plus, team gets to make a little more money. As if they don't have enough. But okay. <laughs> it's the heat. 
So, how about Nine. thoughts? I don't know. And if I don't know, the whole crypto market in general is down right now. So, yeah. oof. NFTs in general, though, I don't know. I'm I go back and forth on them a lot. I very much like. I really appreciate kind of the idea of using them as like a badge of authenticity. Like, hey, I have this, but like that's really just verifying that I do own this and I'm the one who purchased it. Right. Which even allows it to be done, you know, semi-anonymously as well for like big art transfers and stuff. That's always the use case that I've looked at and thought that's really cool. And I guess, you know, for like card games and stuff too, it makes a lot of sense. Well, online card games, instead of having unlimited of these, now you can actually like gauge rarity and stuff. Well, what about a NFT resort? The next article we have here is the, about the world's first NFT resort by Labs Group, beginning auction on July 15th. And I, 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 I skimmed through <laughs> the article, uh, but long story oh. short, it looks like it's basically an NFT as a timeshare. Your NFT is basically a timeshare at this place. I hate this. I... I actually so I sent this in uh, in the chat, and I think this is actually really cool um, for a few reasons. Um, number one, there is no sort of geographical or travel restrictions for people that want to purchase the timeshare. Um, so that's one. Number two, it also is very uh, safe for the company that's selling these because it's the NFT is traceable. And so if someone backs out or there's some sort of situation where someone kind of like defrauds uh, the company on, on this timeshare, um, they're able to trace it back. And so it's, it's safe for the company to do this. Um, and finally, I do think that it, it just kind of makes sense. Um, you know, and it's weird. It's weird, right? You know, we talk about NFTs as collectibles, as things you can trade, um, but have you ever thought about like trading your timeshare? Um, and, and it's an easy way to do it. And they even said in, in the article that um, you'll be able to, if you want, um, like trade your your condominium or, uh, or timeshare NFT, um, you know, with, with people that want to acquire it. So I think it's really cool in that regard. Um, I'd like to see other companies do it, just because it seems like there's, you know, some good, you know, upsides to it. Hey, We're doing some other uh, sort of NFT sales um, for buying naming rights for the uh, place outright, and then also for naming the individual rooms. Um, so there's more money to be made there. Um, again, you know, good for the company. Um, but I just think it's a really, really unique application of this uh, kind of surging uh, thing, NFTs. Uh, I, I really like it. I don't know if you. Uh, I sent the. Well, yeah, I, I was going to pull the folder with the pictures. Yeah, the, you if shared you with me, the pictures. You shared with me. There's this like rendering folder on Google Google Drive here, and yeah, this is what you shared. Yeah, and it's it's like all of these these like kind of dome looking things, like these geodesic yeah. domes. Like that, it's pretty cool looking. It reminds. I hate to be this way, but the terrain reminds me a lot about Minecraft. Uh, but <laughs> well, that's so this this sort of setup is kind yeah. of um, called or, or, or sort of uh, similar to or, or supposed to be in the uh, area of glamping, so kind of glamorous camping. So you have these little pods um, that you, you stay in, um, 
and it's in a really beautiful area. I believe it's close to an airport. I think it's in Bali. Uh, um, let's see. It says Banyuwangi Airport, a thirty-minute flight from Bali. So yeah. Yep. There, you're right. So I I don't know. It's it's interesting concept. I wouldn't take part in it personally, but interesting concept. And I yeah, I, I like this idea. And like I said, I, I wanna see more different applications of NFTs. I think it's a perfect example of uh, a, a really cool way to use NFTs um, in a unique way that has some sort of hidden benefits that you wouldn't typically think of. I mean I don't know. It's it's still one of those things where it's like, it's worth as much as you think it is. Like, it's, do I really value this specific thing for X number of dollars? Every every week, it seems, we're going through another NFT story, story for something selling for an absurdly high price. Like, do I, yes, it, it may represent represent something physical, but does that truly warrant the amount of money that I am putting out for this specific asset. I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm very much so stuck in the, in the, in the physical world, or at least even like software, like I'll, I'll pay out the wazoo for software. That's fine. It's just because I can get value from that and it's useful. And I still have, like, if I wanted to, I could put it on a flash drive and say, this is my software. Like that type of thing for, think, for me, at least. In this case, I think it's more of the, um, the pros of NFTs in general. Okay. So the traceability of them, um, the ease of purchase, and the applicability of that to the timeshare uh, market. Okay. I, I and in that case, it makes that. a lot of sense. And not only that, mm-hmm. not only that, but the ability to change hands very easily. True. True. So we'll see. I don't know. If one I understand. And- Timeshares can largely end up being scamish. Uh, from my understanding, which granted I'm not, you know, I haven't been invested in timeshare before. Uh, regardless, of, I do see the use for like, I kind of like it as a way to verify physical things, right? Like it seems like a good technology for that hmm. to be able to say like, hey, this is this contract. This is a unique thing generated from the contract. Uh, there is the worry about it getting stolen. Uh, and how that would work out, how you, you know, file for, hey, this is stolen versus, hey, someone bought this off me and now I'm defrauding them. True. Uh, maybe someone else has already worked that out. Who knows? But uh, Who knows? I, I do, I like the idea of like using it as a contract. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Don't mm-hmm. like the idea of time shifts Our, on the whole. <laughs> and, and to your point, Ryan, in, in the chat, one of our friends goes, if you make money to afford a timeshare, wouldn't it make more sense to invest it into your own property? Exactly. There, I agree. It's fair. End of fair. discussion. We're no kidding. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I definitely, uh, agree in that with that sentiment there. And I, I wouldn't just buy a timeshare just because it was an NFT at this point in the game. At least. Oh, no, 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 so. no. I mean, I, I think the point, you made a point um, a few minutes ago, Fitz, where you said that, you know, NFTs change you know, value and different NFTs do change value, right? Um, but these other NFTs that we're seeing are based off of like collectibles. Collectibles right. will, will fluctuate just based off of, you know, how the perception of, um, 
how valuable they're worth, what their worth is. In this case, it's more of a, it not only, you know, is it's used for verification and, and that sort of thing, but also, um, I guess you can look at the price of the NFTs as a sort of uh, popularity of the resort. If people end up really liking this resort, the price of the NFT might go up. If the price goes down, it might indicate that people aren't really, you know, buying them or, or using their timeshares as much. Um, it, it, so it's this in this situation, it's sort of tied to more of a grounded sort of rating based uh, versus uh, some sort of collectible that's kind of not tied to, but more associated with, you know, just what it is at the time, what, what people think about at the time. Pokemon cards and all kinds of collectibles in that regard skyrocketed in price during, you know, the beginning of the pandemic. But who's to say that, you know, their, their, uh, their value is going to stay there for another 10 years or if it's going to go down, you know? Who knows? So it's interesting to see the, the application of sure. NFTs and, mm-hmm. and how the, the demand and the price is associated with the product right. or, or the, the, the thing that they're getting from it. Time shares, I think, are notoriously hard to pawn off onto somebody else. Right. (laughs) And it's that way on purpose, but... It's this specific instance that I think I have more issue with than the idea behind it. Fair. Well, anyway, once again, our obligatory, we aren't financial advisors, yada, yada. Please don't do this. We're just giving our perspective. I don't think I I said anything that's compromising. No, 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 no. Not not today. Not today. I don't think we have. Okay. We haven't been speculating today. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I well, think you're allowed to say you think something's a bad investment. You're just not allowed to say you think something someone should buy something. I think you're probably not allowed to say it's a bad investment if you are invested in the competitor or if you have any sort of skin in the game. For sure. Ah, man. I don't know what the rules are. Which we are completely removed from here. Well, so I think we're okay. There you go. I'm in a lot of crypto. <laughs> well anyway if you have a have a lot of uh money and stuff how about you go to space uh richard branson did it this week uh he reached space on a virgin galactic flight i actually watched this live last sunday um and basically sir richard branson after researching for 17 years finally got uh up into space with the um i think i forget the exact name of the spacecraft but um Excuse me. The, the VSS, VSS Unity. Unity. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, then kind of rocketing off there, being weightless for a couple minutes, and then returning to Earth, to Earth which is really cool. Um, yeah. And I, I just lo- I think this is a brilliant launch mechanism, per- personally. I think that is so cool, the fact that they're able to do something like this. Um, but here's the kicker. He did that to purposefully snub good old Jeff Bezos, who's going to space tomorrow. Um, <laughs> they basically did that to to snub Jeff Bezos. He's going up in the uh, Shepard, uh, yes, the new Shepard rocket. Uh... Um, after 15 launches, th- this is the first one <laughs> with people. So, uh, yeah, uh, billionaire space race. If you have money, I guess you could buy some timeshares or in NFTs and I just someone I went to space. middle school with actually was someone I went to middle school with, or I was in school with him for years. I think he was at the Branson launch actually. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. Really? Yeah, privileged access and everything. Wow. That's pretty cool. I don't know, he's some TikToker or something. I don't really know what people do with their lives now. 
<laughs> I don't, I don't I, know, uh, pay that much attention. Uh, I, I do have a comment on uh, Jeff Bezos's rocket, and well, it looks rather. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say phallic, and phallic. then leave it there. Yeah, uh, there should be a different picture. Yeah, there it is. It's funny yeah. looking. <laughs> it's funny looking. It's funny looking. That yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm. I've got uh, I've got two comments. Um, it blows up with him in it. Same thing about if the one that uh, Richard Branson was flying him blew up. No more Richard Branson. <laughs> in this case, no more Jeff Bezos well, where's, or any where's of the other passengers. I am not a financial advisor. Don't take anything I say seriously. Let's all short Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it is interesting that you did say, Warwick, you jokingly said that because I believe I, I did read that uh, either it was Virgin Galactic or just uh, the, the parent company, Virgin, did take a dive in stock price after uh, the launch uh, last week. What, people were just thinking like, oh, what if this goes badly? Did it recover immediately? I don't know if it recovered. I just, I do know that the stock did dip um, a bit, or at least a significant amount to where it, it would have been reported. Um, okay. the, so, so two points I wanted to make. Um, one, one being, uh, there's currently a lot of debates and, you know, fair debate, uh, regarding going, the term going to space for these guys. Right. Um, so Richard Branson only went up to, I believe like 86, uh, just about over 86 kilometers, um, above, above earth. Now for any space, uh, junkie, uh, or, or space nerds and my fellow, my fellow nerds, um, knows there's this thing called the Carmen line and the Carmen line is basically the kind of uh, agreed upon uh, height above the earth at which uh, we consider uh, anything past that to be space. And that's at a hundred kilometers. Um, now it's funny that you said Fitz that Richard Branson uh, did snub uh, uh, Jeff Bezos by going uh, up first, but technically he did not go into space. So technically speaking, um, Jeff Bezos, who's going at over 100 kilometers, I believe it's like 103, 106, it might be even a little more, um, will technically be going to space. That being said, apparently, um, I don't know what organization, and I can't remember uh, where, I, I think it was in the article the, um, uh, that was submitted about uh, Richard Branson. Apparently, uh, if you travel above 80 kilometers above Earth, you are considered an astronaut. So technically, everyone that is going last week or went last week and is going this week will be astronauts, can be considered astronauts. I don't like but that. I don't like that. Only people that are going on the uh, Jeff Bezos uh, flight tomorrow morning uh, will be considered truly by the international community of going into space. Yeah. So that was my point that I wanted to make. I'm surprised the other point Elon... Is point... Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I'm just surprised that Elon Musk, the future god emperor of Mars, hasn't gone up into space yet. He has higher plans than just going into you know low Earth orbit. Orbit. He wants to go to another planet. So and he's he's got higher. He's sitting in the corner. He's sitting in the corner laughing his behind off because his space company's already wildly successful. Like not only that, not only that, but he's laughing because uh, SpaceX got the contract, the NASA contract over Blue Origin. And so there's, he's got a, way more skin in the game, um, at least for future plans um, outside of 
you know, uh, res uh, typical people like you and I, citizens going, rich citizens going to space. He's going to be making more money. He's got the government contracts already um, for the next uh, Artemis uh, space endeavors for NASA. Um, but yeah, Elon Musk, he, he's sitting at this, you're right. He's sitting in the corner laughing. This is small potatoes to him. Really means nothing. They're going, you fools, um, may I will become the god emperor of Mars. <laughs> there you so go. the second thing, the second thing I wanted to bring up, um, which I think is what makes this flight cooler than the Virgin Galactic um, flight, is that uh, of of the passengers that will be on this flight, uh, one of which is a woman I can't remember her name, um, but she is going to be, I believe, the oldest person in space. Again, then, truly in space. A but Wally Funk of, is her name. She's 82. Yes. yes, and she was part of a program called Mercury 13, uh, comprised of women that were supposed to be uh, uh, going to, to space and, and becoming astronauts. But unfortunately, the program uh, was scrapped and it just never uh, came to fruition. And so of all the, of the people and the crew of, of that uh, sort of pilot program, she finally will be able to get her opportunity to go to space, which I think is incredibly cool. I, I love that um, Bezos is doing this. I don't recall who was on the the uh, attendance rolls or whatever for uh, Richard Branson's flight, but well, I don't remember hearing anything was, about any a, any really really cool stories like this. There was a Purdue alum on that uh, the flight mm. from Richard Branson. Yeah. There's Purdue alums that always go to space. They have the cradle of the astronauts. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You don't need Honestly, if anything, that's to be expected. Brand. There we I'm, I'm not way, complaining. Don't need Richard, and by the way, we don't need Richard Branson to go to space. You know, uh, there is like a, a small, you know, he's kind of like an indie kind of rock star type, type of dude. Some people have never heard of him. Um, his name is Neil Armstrong, um, you know, another famous Purdue alum. The list goes on and on. This guy was like the first person on the moon or whatever. But you know, the guy, you know, there was a Purdue alum on the Richard Branson flight who paid, you know, big coin to go on. Uh, what joke is going on over my head that he said indie rock. I, I, I don't know. I literally don't know. The point I'm trying to make here is there are plenty of Purdue alums that have gone to space. This yeah. guy is the first person that paid over, you know, I think it was two hundred fifty thousand dollars to go on the flight. You know, versus yeah. all these other yeah, yeah, astronauts yeah. who have done it, um, who who've gone to space before him and have made far bigger uh, advancements in, in their own right, and especially, uh, you know, that that no name would might might have been a better phrasing for you, Ryan, a no namer, you know, that small guy, no one's heard of him, uh, Neil Armstrong, for sure. Well. And hold on, I want to take us to the dark place real quick, though, because what if it blows up tomorrow? I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not telling you to that go. That has nothing to do with financial advisor. What, what are you if, going to say now? I'm going oh, to say no. if it blows up tomorrow, let's just say <laughs> the worst happens, you know, God bless her soul, that lady's gone. Rest in peace. She died doing what she loved. The rocket blows up. Bezos is no longer with us. How hard do you think Amazon stock drops? <laughs> they already have a CEO. They, he's already exited from his uh, role or his CEO role at the company. Yeah, I know. I don't so, care about that, though. I so think regardless, there'd be a 10% dip. I don't think their company would. Blue Origin uh, definitely would. Oh, no. They're too I, I think I think they're too, they're too related. 
Jeff Bezos is too famous to just affect the one company. I think Amazon would take yeah. a hit if something bad would happen. So, But they really don't have anything to do with Blue Origin. Maybe they use AWS for some of their stuff, but it has nothing to do with Amazon don't, Prime. Don't, uh, we're, 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 talking, we're talking about Wall Street here. Mind Star, you. Yeah, stock market doesn't roll on logic. Star, stock, market, stock market rolls on gut feelings. Right. I don't think, okay, and this is me speaking out of pocket, and I am not a financial advisor, so I will not uh, impose or, or, or forcefully impose my opinion. When, when are we this. getting those mugs, um, by the way? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, if we get enough, if, if we can get a following maybe for it, I would love to do a, uh, a, uh, an order of mugs. I think that would be really, really cool. Um, oh, hat, dude, the hat just says, I'm not a financial advisor, but. <laughs> to my point here, I really don't think um, that that would really impact Amazon in the same way that I don't think if God forbid the, uh, the, the VSS, I think it was unity unity. Uh, if that blew up, I don't think that uh, Virgin mobile would see a dip in their uh, stock price. No, but Virgin Atlantic would. They built a they built a Is flying thing that was Virgin Mobile. I don't know. I I know he owns a lot of things, but because if he's not in the business like that, it's not the same. Either way, I really just don't think that they're connected enough for there to be. And again, I don't know enough about the ins and outs I, of Wall Street, so I I am not a financial advisor, and I cannot advise you on on buying stocks for Amazon or for Blue Origin. But does. in my own opinion. Yeah. In my own opinion, I really don't think at the end of the day that a a catastrophic, incredibly unfortunate situation like that that could happen. Um, and and to be fair, I mean, I mean, it's a spaceship. It can it can like happen any time. No, no one no one thought, or I suppose a lot of people wouldn't have thought that any of the the catastrophic and unfortunate NASA um, situations would have occurred, but they did. And it was for reasons that some people just were either overlooking or were not aware of. Not being said, um, there, and there's always a risk. Yeah. That being said, I, I still just don't think that, and we're being a dead horse here, but I, I don't mean, think yeah, right. the only way we'll know for sure is if the worst comes to worst. Well, we'll have to watch tomorrow and see what happens. Yeah. But... I, I suppose as a closing remark, it's sort of like causation is not. Um, Whatever the term is, correlation. You have it completely backwards. Correlation. Yeah, thank you. Correlation isn't causation. I think. Yes, that, yeah, I, I think it. in the vein of, of correlation is not causation. I don't think that just because the two were, were created by the same guy, that doesn't mean that if something happens with 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 Blue Origin, the stocks are going to dip with Amazon. I haven't looked at it, but I would be at least in light of this current uh, discussion. I would be curious to see if, in the course of the past, I don't know, Blue Origin hadn't can't couldn't have been more than ten years old or so, maybe fifteen years old. I would be would be interesting to see if the price of the stock for either of the companies has been correlated in either way based off of one of the other's failures or successes. Two points. One, I still think a lot of people operate off their guts when it comes to the stock market. So it might just be from like a gut perspective that they do it. And two, he is a huge share owner in there. So that alone might affect how those go. 
I can see it in your your second. Uh, I'm trying second. to appeal to the left side of your brand right now, even though I think the right side is a lot of times what drives people in the market. But I, again, I, under, know, I understand. Not a financial rate. advisor. There you go. Well, <laughs> on that note, I'm actually going Speaking to. Speaking not being a financial advisor. <laughs> yeah, we're going to transition into our uh, main story for today. And we have a treat for you today. Um, this, So you, you may be wondering, why is this title like a, this is weird, big Bitcoin bankrolling. And thank you to Grizzlo and Ryan for uh, coming up with this one. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, but the article we have for you as our, our closer today is about a Malaysian uh, a Malaysian police force literally steamrolling 1,069 Bitcoin mining rigs. Nice. They laid them out in a parking lot and literally destroyed them with a with a steamroller. Like it just shows this thing just just literally flattening them. And the article pokes a little bit of fun at it, calling it a crypto crackdown, literally. Um, but long story short, they seized 1,069 Bitcoin miners uh, nice. throughout the course of, like, I think six raids they mentioned. But the reason that they crushed these and all that stuff is they stole about the, the miners stole about $2.1 million worth of electricity from the Malaysian power grid and <laughs> basically were completely like um taking advantage of the system um what do you so, mean stole like did they illegally hook into it and we're getting free power correct mm -hmm. yep mm. a lot a lot a lot's worth a i lot still of don't worth. see why would you not just sell that to like a huge government and so, make a bunch of money so you so in the article yeah it says uh police opted to crush the mining gear rather than sell it in accordance with a court order so it's a court order. court order. You could have made so much money and like fixed your roads. It's not, not, not my country. <laughs> it's a thousand mining rigs. Let's call it. I mean, a GPU these days goes for like, well, these were a 800 for an easy one. These are ASIC miners. They're, uh, oh, they're all ASIC mining. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can see. Here. Oh, that, that makes yeah, they're they're sense. all ASICs right here. You you could see them. I I forget what those are called. Uh, no, they're ASICs. That's yeah. correct. It's a custom designed chip for mining. Yeah, but yeah, ant miners. That's what these are. Yeah, like, yikes. <laughs> that that's there were a bunch of these. Like, these are all ant miner L three pluses or L threes or whatever. Um, that makes sense to me then because those are a lot more hard to sell. If it was like mining with, you know, GPUs and all that, I, you know, you'd just go and sell that, obviously. Right, right. Because you could still use the GPUs for other things. But in this yeah. case, they're just like completely dedicated mining hardware. And you literally can't do anything else with this hardware except for mine cryptocurrency. So I think you could probably find a way to repurpose it for like a university to make a data center, maybe. Yeah, or do some research or something like that. But I don't know. I, I don't know. Might it's be too much work. I, I I don't know. It's 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 one of those things where it's like I wouldn't go as far as crushing the technology, but maybe figuring out some other way. Uh, but yeah, stealing the electricity is government. There's not a lot of intelligent people don't tend to go into like high levels of the government. 
Hot take. Hot take. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but from in terms of stealing the power to do Bitcoin mining, I think that is ge- like genuinely terrible because um, the Bitcoin market is just so power hungry and so um, not friendly to the environment uh, that just stealing this power and something that's already somewhat harder to find in, in a remoter country like Malaysia. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's just, just the stealing part that annoys me. Yeah. It's, it's a shame, but we will, uh, we'll see. I, I hope that that doesn't happen anywhere else, but definitely an interesting video to see. I recommend looking it up on YouTube. Uh, it, it pains me to see the technology getting crushed, but I always wondered what would happen. So now I guess I could die a happy mm. man knowing that I saw some technology getting crushed by a steamroller. So <laughs> it's the little things in life, right? You're not laughing. I suppose. <laughs> there you go. A little, a little part of me does die inside to see all that technology going to waste, especially because I believe what they said in the article that, um, Countries like China do end up auctioning off um, or selling the equipment that has been confiscated. Um, well, GPU equipment is easy for that stuff. I think maybe the best you can do is use it for like encryption, decryption. Well, I, don't know. I, I think what they what Grizzlo is kind of suggesting is even if they ship it somewhere else, like somebody would still buy it. Oh, yeah. And, and not only that, actually, um, to that point, um, this is only contributing to something like this is only contributing to the greater problem um, of, of uh, e-waste or, or not e-waste, but uh, computer parts waste. Right. Um, we, we talk about, and I think we talked about on the show before, um, you know, recycling, uh, you know, computer parts, giving them a new purpose. Um, this does not help that problem. It only adds to that problem. Um, right. Well, there we go. So, um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, anyway, um, Grizzlo, I know you wanted to close out today, uh, so I'll, I'll let you close out. Well, shoot. All right. Well, I've been trying to find the Facebook page name, and I, I can't find it right now. Um, but it's Tech Talk uh, Nation. Thanks. Oh, it is? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, because I know that um, the Twitter is a little different. But that being said... Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to uh, Tech Talk Nation today. Uh, we really appreciate you guys watching us, listening to us, and even commenting today. Um, I, I think I speak for everyone else here when I say we, we'd love to hear it, we'd love to see it, and we'd like to see more of it. Um, so please continue to, uh, to comment. Uh, we like answering your questions and kind of gives us a, a bit of a fresh uh, breath of air when we're, we're talking about these topics. Um, but please do follow us on Instagram at Tech Talk Nation. Uh, on Twitter at Tech Talk Nations. That's Tech Talk Nation with an S at the end. And then also follow us on our Facebook page, uh, Tech Talk Nation. Thanks everyone for tuning in and tune in next week for a new episode of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We will see you next week. Thank you for all of our co-hosts uh, for today for tuning in, giving us your insights, and we'll see you. See you later. All righty. See you guys. And I'm going to close out one thing here because uh, our friend Akram in the chat here asked if I could get a shout out. Thank you so much, Akram, for tuning in today and uh, hope you're back next week and hope everybody else is back next week as well. It has been wonderful uh, today and uh, we hope you have a wonderful week. All righty. See you guys. 
Have a great night. Bye-bye.